Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Cassandra. Welcome to Midday Magazine for Thursday, April 13th. Herring saners took a break on Sunday and Monday to allow processors to catch up with a strong harvest at the end of last week. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game reports that nearly 2,100 tons were landed by saners last Thursday, and another 1,600 tons were harvested on Friday. Most of the fishing activity was concentrated in two openers in the Windy Passage area. Total harvest for the commercial sacro fishery this season so far is 10,900 tons. Spawning is continuing primarily in waters to the north of Sitka. The department recorded an additional four nautical miles of spawn on Friday and just under two nautical miles of spawn on Saturday and again on Monday. Spawning remains concentrated in the area from Eastern Bay down to Cassiana Island. Total cumulative amount of shoreline with active spawn this year so far is 70 nautical miles. Petersburg School District will implement a new English language arts curriculum at Ray C. Stedman Elementary School in the fall. District Superintendent Erica Klutpainer spoke with KFSK on Tuesday's Campus Connection show. She says that this will be a major shift for school teachers. This is huge. Yeah. yeah. Okay. ELA is probably the biggest thing we do in elementary school in general. The elementary school has used the current curriculum for about nine years. Clute Painter says the new one is designed to pair well with the screeners the school will be using starting in the fall. The screeners are standardized tests designed to measure reading proficiency. They just tie together really well, so mm-hmm. I think they'll be helpful for us when we have to do the various uh, reports that have to be done for the Reads Act and mm-hmm. if, you know, helping um, provide information for parents and, and what that'll look like. So they talk well together. Kids will start taking those screeners in kindergarten. They're required for the new statewide Reads Act legislation. The district just received 30 boxes of materials for the curriculum transition. The Alaska Department of Education awarded the school district a grant for curriculum purchase and training. Teachers will train during in-school in-service days before students begin the year, and Clute Painter says that the state will also provide coaching and professional development throughout the year, which she says is encouraging. You kind of mm-hmm. get like the fire hose, and then it's hard if you don't come back to it. Yeah. You know, you go use it for a month or two, and you figure out some things that aren't working well and are working well, or and then you have actually an opportunity to talk to experts mm-hmm. and ask questions. The Reads Act also requires the school to have two reading specialists. Two current teachers, Stephanie Powak in fifth, teaching fifth grade and Carrie Curtis teaching first grade will move into those roles for next year. There's an economic rebound occurring in Sitka, but it comes at a price, mainly in increased housing costs and continued high fuel prices. Robert Woolsey reports from Sitka on the latest numbers from the Sitka Economic Development Association quarterly report. On the plus side, there is more money in Sitka now than in 2019, although it sometimes doesn't feel that way with inflation running high. A major source, obviously, is the increase in sales tax revenue. Sitka collected over $2.5 million more over the last fiscal year than it did in fiscal year 2021. That's an increase of 19% which has given local government a lot more flexibility to make major decisions around things like school funding and the emergency replacement of the heat pumps at Blatchley Middle School. 
Property tax has increased by less than $100,000 over the same period. Raw fish taxes, another major economic indicator, aren't included in this report. But it's not just the city government that's doing better. Per capita income in Sitka is up since 2019 by over $5,000 per person. That's a bigger increase than seen in Juneau, Ketchikan, or even the entire state. Per capita income in Sitka is now roughly $76,000. On the downside, driving is still expensive in Sitka, and it's immediately clear how much so when you buy gas in Anchorage, where fuel has dropped to around $3.70, just $0.30 cents higher than the national average. That's a 20% drop for Anchorage in just the last year. Meanwhile, in Sitka, the price of fuel has dropped only about 5.5%, and is still over $5 per gallon. That's worse than Juneau, where gas is going for a little more than $4. The other big expense for Sitkins is housing, where costs have gone up significantly more than comparable communities like Ketchikan. Rent for three bedrooms in Sitka now averages about $1,870, compared to $1,815 in Ketchikan. But that rent in Sitka is over 9% more than it was a year ago, while the rent in Ketchikan went up just 2% over the same period. And finally, Sitka's population is down slightly by just under 200 people since 2020. That's consistent with the overall decline in southeast Alaska, but contrary to the statewide trend, Alaska as a whole has gained over 7,000 people in the last two years. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The U.S. Forest Service is asking the public to get involved in creating a 10-year forest management plant for the Tongass National Forest in southeast Alaska. The federal agency will be holding in-person workshops, virtual webinars, and community gatherings through June. The project is called the Southeast Alaska Sustainability Strategy Forest Management, SAS-FM for short. Paul Robbins is a spokesperson for the Forest Service. He talked with Coast Alaska's Angela Denning about the public engagement effort. He says the federal agency is working from the ground up. In the past, the way the Forest Service worked, right, is we would come out with a 10-year plan. And we it would be open to public comment, but it would be public comment on a 10-year plan that the Forest Service created. In this case, there is no plan. We're asking, instead of commenting on a plan we made, that the public help us make the plan. The overall goal is for us to work with our tribes, partners, and communities to put together the full range of forest management activities and complete them in a way that meets the greatest diversity of public needs. That would be the goal of SAS-FM, and we're excited to get it started, and we hope as many people as possible uh, come out and talk to us and take part in this process. What would you ideally like to see with this public engagement process? Well, we have a couple of different things that we're trying to get out of it, right? So we want all the organizations that I mentioned to tell us what they want to see from forest management on the Tongass. What are the outcomes that they want to see for themselves and their communities and and their organizations? And then we also have a separate ask in there of identifying specific projects and locations where we can work collaboratively to get things done. SAS, FM, uh, Southeast Alaska Sustainability Strategy Forest Management. That's a big term, right? Uh, that is all about integration, uh, integrated work, multiple resource activities done under one effort 
to reach ecological, economic, and cultural benefit. So we want them to talk about what the overall outcomes they want to see. We also want to know specifically where and what they want us to do as far as forest management. And we also are taking uh, comments and input on our, what we call our assessment tool, which is a list of drafted criteria of what would move a project potentially to the top of our priority list for that 10-year plan. Can you give me some examples of projects that might be included in this? Well, under forest management, you're talking everything from uh, thinning, which is, you know, harvesting of trees in a stand uh, for the overall health of the ecosystem and the health of the trees that are supposed to be there, to watershed restoration, wildlife habitat enhancement, road building. There's there's so many factors that go into what we do for forest management on the Tongass because we're multiple-use forest. On the second ask, we're actually asking for specific projects. What work do you want us to do and where? And how can we do it to where we're getting multiple resource activities done at once in the most uh, beneficial way possible? So you're taking public input in these kind of live public meetings, but also people can contribute just uh, by themselves online? Yeah, the public meetings, like the first 10 minutes or so, is going to be us giving a presentation on what this effort is because not everybody... You know, we'll see the press release for these stories or we're here. And so we definitely got to break it down. And then the majority of the meeting is just us answering questions and helping them work through this story map tool for submission. We're, we're trying to keep it all focused in this very easy to use and effective tool to take in all this information. Okay. How long do you think this process is going to last? Like how far out are you scheduling? Uh, right now we're looking to do this all the way through the end of June. And uh, could go longer than that because I mentioned the tribal consultations, which are a legal requirement, and we're going to keep doing this until all of those are done. But we're hoping around June 30th is when we can be wrapping up most of this. Paul Robbins is a spokesperson for the Forest Service. He spoke with Coast Alaska's Angela Denning. You can find more information about SAS FM and links to the comment boxes on our website at kfsk.org. Young athletes from around the state flocked to Juneau earlier this month to compete in the 2023 traditional games. Ketchikan's native Youth Olympics team brought home medals in three traditional events, but for the athletes, it was a weekend more focused on connection and self-improvement. Reagan Miller reports from Ketchikan. Team Ketchikan hadn't made the trip to the traditional games since 2020 due to COVID-19 and the cost of travel, but this year was a good one for the six-person team to come back. Kyle Worrell, a native Youth Olympics coach and event coordinator in Juneau, says this month's competition was one of the biggest ever, with more than 200 athletes. Teams from Metlakatla, Prince of Wales Island, Sitka, Anchorage, Fairbanks, Homer, Chickaloon, Seward, Kenai, Whitehorse, and even New Mexico made the trip. So it continues to grow every year. Uh, We continue to see more teams every year. Petersburg's team finished the competition as the first-place middle school team. Mount Edgecombe High School was the overall first-place high school team. Athletes from Homer and Juneau earned sportsmanship awards. Over the two-day event, Team Ketchikan pulled in two first-place finishes, a third-place finish, and two fourth-place spots. Worrell says he's gotten to know the Team Ketchikan athletes over the years. It was really great to see Ketchikan at the event this year and Um, they did really awesome. Their results were really great. The traditional games include a handful of events modeled after traditional Alaska Native skills. 
The one-hand reach calls for athletes to put all their weight on one wrist as they balance and touch a sealskin ball. In the wrist carry, an athlete hangs from a pole by one wrist as they're carried as far as they can hang on. Ketchikan Samson Oliver took first place for the wrist carry in the high school boys division, and Sophie Linda Agoni took first for the high school girls' one-hand reach. Henry Agoni earned third place for the middle school boys' one-hand reach and fourth place for the wrist carry. Kendall Hamilton earned fourth place in the middle school girls' archery division. Even with those impressive scores, Worrell says there's more to the competition than clinching a medal or setting a record. It's all about learning because you're going to be on the floor with the other athletes and they're going to give you advice and encouragement and you're going to come out better than, than before. That's the mentality that Ketchikan's team took to Juno. Starla Agoni is the team's coach. The energy was like no other energy, um, positive, very encouraging, a lot of support in the gyms. Agoni says that all of Ketchikan's athletes set new personal records. Ketchikan's Samson Oliver set a new wrist carry record. He hung on in the event for more than 200 feet. The games place a heavy emphasis on support, camaraderie, and culture. Agoni's youngest son, Henry Agoni, got to experience that firsthand when he was chosen for the blanket toss as he celebrated his 12th birthday. Depending on their experience level, an athlete might flip or bounce on a walrus skin pulled taut and shaken by their community. It's traditionally a celebration after a successful whale hunt, and Agoni says it was an honor to watch her son sail through the air. Only about 12 athletes were chosen to do the blanket toss over the two-day span. So he was chosen. He was the first athlete to be able to do the blanket toss, which is a great experience in itself. Kyle Worrell, the NYO coach in Juno, was watching too. Hopefully it's a really memorable experience um, for Henry to go on the blanket toss. It's, it's kind of an adrenaline rush to be um, thrown up by um, a group of people. And it's always exciting to watch, so I'm glad we, we got somebody from Ketchikan on the blanket. There will be a state competition later this month in Anchorage, but Team Ketchikan won't be making the trip. They need to fundraise to get there. Whether through what Coach Agoni is calling a kickathon or a good old-fashioned bake sale, the team hopes to get to state next year. And as always, Agoni hopes that anyone interested in joining the supportive group will try it out. We love to share the cultural aspect, the sportsmanship, the love and support, encouragement, and helping others to choose to be the best that they can be um, and encouraging that we can always do better, celebrating our differences and our uniqueness. She says that's what it's all about. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Regan Miller. And for KFSK, I'm Rachel Cassandra.